Hey everyone, I am privileged to be interviewing today Pastor Mick. How are you doing today, Pastor? You know, I, I'm doing real well. It's, it's raining here in Lincoln, Nebraska, but, uh, but I, I'm originally from Oregon, so I love the rain. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Yeah, I, I remember going to Oregon and uh, it, it would rain for short periods of time, but, but like almost every day. Is that how it is over there? Yeah, yeah. Got it, got it. All right, so let's get right into it. If you could give us a short bio about yourself and what led you to what you're doing now in ministry. Sure, I'll be as short as I, I can be. Um, but I grew up in Portland, Oregon. Uh, my parents were Adventists and they went to Advent education and, and grew up in the church and going to AY and, and summer camp and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they it never really clicked with them. And when they had, uh, they got married and, and had my brother, who's a year older than me, and me, um, we went to church a couple times, but they divorced when my parents were, when they were, uh, I'm sorry, when I was six years old. And we stopped going to church at that point. Mm. Um, and so I didn't have really any, any background of Christianity or anything like that until I was 13 years old and my my mom's parents sent me to summer camp and that was my fir the first time in my life that I ever really saw what Christianity was and I remember being at summer camp and not knowing any of the songs not knowing anybody there not knowing what prayer or who Jesus was at all but looking at the people and I left there with this one impression and it was man if this is what Christianity means I want to have I want I want to have Christ in my life, and that was my journey. My journey started with youth ministry, and it was it was bumpy and and ugly, uh, but it was mine. And and when I came to Union College, where uh, I, I studied theology there, um, my my freshman year, I was dating who I thought was the love of my life until that ended, and. Um, I needed something to do during the summer and I couldn't, didn't want to go home to Portland and I couldn't imagine staying in Lincoln during the summer with nothing to do. I was going to drive myself crazy. And it was, it was in January, which is the time when all the uh, union or the, I'm sorry, the conference youth worker or youth directors come and they, they advertise for their camps. And I thought I got to do something. And so I decided to try that. And I, Worked for a summer at Glacier View Ranch with Pete Brayman and fell in love with youth ministry, with kids, with the craziness of camp from a staff perspective. And that was when I, I determined, like, I've got to work with teenagers. I love it. And um, it was going to be almost 10 years after that where I would actually get a chance to be a youth pastor but that's where God has led us, led us actually back to Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, where I'm the youth pastor at College U Church. Wow, interesting. I, I, it's an interesting journey that you have taken and that uh, you had, you, like you said, you had some, you know, a rocky road, but it still brought you back to serving God and in ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, but one thing I really noticed in that story is that you said, you were a camp staff uh, and that really opened your eyes. Uh, can you like give us a little insight of how it is being a staff at a camp 
um, you know, engaging with teenagers or youth? Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I remember it's, it's always a, a weird dynamic because with teenagers, they're, they're such, it's such a pack mentality, right? They, they want to gather together. They feel safe in groups and they feel more comfortable in groups. And so, but when they get to camp, if they don't know anybody there, then nobody knows what the rules are yet. And what I loved about the isolation of camp was the first night, the first morning or so, and the, the campers are always kind of at least high school, maybe middle school. They're a little bit standoffish. They don't want to sing ha la 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 They don't want to do the movements and stuff like that. But when they see, they see that the rules of camp is, man, just have fun. Have fun. Give all of yourself to this. Uh, by the end of the week, you almost redefine the culture that the, that the students have, which is just so God-centered. And, and I just, I, I love that aspect. And I love that in such a short amount of time, you can, you can tear down walls, you can soften borders, and just really impact students. Love it. Wow, wow. Uh, that it's it's powerful in that sense because I've noticed that a lot in Oshkosh environment where you know the theme song is played nobody knows it yet and then all of mm -hmm. a sudden by the end of Oshkosh everybody's singing it and loving it and singing it all the way home and yeah it's 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 interesting to see what just a week of yeah really delving into talking about Jesus and being compassionate and caring to one another can really change one's life. Um, yeah. So yeah, Christianity is the, is the greatest thing that this world has ever seen. I mean, in Christian mm -hmm. songs and praising God, that's when we come alive and adults, teenagers, uh, church members, they forget that. And so to have opportunities where you remind them, like, give yourself over to this, to, to praising God. And when they, when they try it, man, it's so great. Awesome. Now, what you said about reminding, now you're a youth pastor, so you engage with youth. How do you translate that, that aspect of reminding people to just enjoy in, in praising God and knowing who God is? How do you translate that as a youth pastor at your church? Oh, I don't know if there's... I mean, Maybe in some instances, but I guess with, and the, I didn't start out as a youth pastor. I started out working with, with adults. I, I pastored for six years with Iowa Missouri Conference. Um, and in that time, I got my, uh, my demon at the seminary. But I, I felt like working more with adults, it was more reminding them. Um, but with teenagers, I, I find that, that it's more of a, um, them discovering who God is, but also who they are. You know, uh, Jesus, like Jesus says to the disciples, he says, I am the light of the earth, light of the world, you know? Yeah. And, and yet in, in Matthew, he looks at the disciples and he says, you are the light of the world. Um, he, he prays in John 17 that we would all be one in him. And, and I think part of, the journey of, of youth ministry is helping students see who they are in Christ and how life-changing that is, I guess, and um, how revolutionary that is. Uh, 
And then if they get it, if you can get, get them to get it, then you enter into the process of, I guess, reminding them who they are because the world is so distracting. They, they get caught up in, oh, they got to get grades or they want to get in a relationship or they want to make sure that they have a career someday, you know, and, and I think sometimes that enters this process of forgetting who they are mm-hmm. and, and that would be going back and, and inviting them to, to rediscover who God is and how he's, he's still working with them and still living with them and loving them. Wow. Uh, I, I find that interesting because when I engage with teenagers, it's, it's like they're, you know, they're, especially the ones that grew up in the church, they're so used to coming to church on mm. Saturday. They're so <clears throat> used to Sabbath school. It's the routine, 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 routine. And then yeah. when they finally have that adult or leader or pastor or elder who just, you know, takes a, takes a time out <laughs> and talks to them and really talk to them about who Jesus is. And like you said, just, it just, you know, introduces them and they, it, their eyes light up. I, I, I literally saw like yeah. teenagers eyes light up and they're like, Oh my goodness, this is who Jesus is. Oh, wow. And um, I'm wondering if you've ever had that experience as a youth pastor. Oh yeah. Um, I, I do. I, I have two small kids right now. I've got a seven-year-old and a, and a five-year-old. And being, I was a, I was a first-generation uh, Adventist, I feel, because uh, I had to discover it myself. But being a, a parent and loving my kids enough that wanting them to also encounter Christ and, and uh, be involved in the church, I've come to realize that I'm really, at this point in life, I'm, I'm raising little agnostics. You know, they, they know that there's something out there, but uh, whether it's Jesus or uh, some other deity or, you know, um, whatever, whatever myth you might have, like they would be okay believing that. And I, like you said, I, I find that with the teenagers, they've, they've gone through this process of there are, you know, Uncle Arthur's um, bedtime stories and there's Sabbath school and we, we make little songs out of, out of David you know, killing Goliath in such a brutal way or, or Zacchaeus climbing a tree. And so uh, the teenagers, like they, they grew up and, and they have this Bible that is living and effective. And, and part of the work of youth ministry is getting them to move beyond those preconceived stories and how it is so life-changing. And um, yeah, one of the reasons why I love youth ministry and, and I, I, I chose it uh, to, to move back to it was because um, when you have a teenager who doesn't have all the common sense of an adult, you know, and, and they, they, like, they understand that they are forgiven and they are free and Christ is calling them, they'll give everything up. They'll leave, they'll leave family, they'll leave safety, they'll leave security and food, and, and they, will, they will charge after Jesus. And, uh, and I, I just, I, I want that to be the model for my life, you know, and I'm, so I'm inspired yeah. by that as well. Wow. <laughs> I love that. I love that term. They will charge towards Jesus. I, that's, yeah. that's powerful. It's just, I think, uh, I think this is something, reason why you love it and why I love it is the, um, the excitement that they have and the willingness, mm-hmm. like you just mentioned, to just serve God when they are just given that chance to know him um so 
in having those great conversations with teenagers when you're engaging with them, what do you feel is a social issue or an issue that teenagers are, what have you been seeing that they're going through that they really want help or mentorship on from elders, leaders in the church and pastors like yourself? That's a good, great question. It's a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been doing this for five years now. And so we, I was a youth pastor when the, the refugees were dying off the coast of Greece, you know, there in Turkey and uh, the, 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 flood, the floods happening and, and the fires happening out in California. Um, I think, you know, I, I'm not sure that, I mean, with youth ministry and youth culture, this is going to be different, I think, for every area that every church, you know, that, that has teenagers. Uh, I feel like one of, the, one of the biggest issues that has been consistent through all of the, uh, the struggles that our world has seen is it comes back to who's allowed to be um, a servant for Christ, you know, coming back to women in ministry and they, I've met some that they, they are just, they, they just want to follow the Bible so much. And, and, you know, they, they want to, they just want to know what God had to say about that. And they, and that's been the real motivation to some where it's just, well, why can't women, uh, why can't women serve, you know, why can't they be as, you know, have all the opportunities that men have. Um, that is one that consistently keeps coming back. Okay. Yeah, I asked that question because it's, it's something I think we need to highlight more in the fact that our younger generations do care, and they care about, you know, what's happening in the world, and they care about what's happening in their communities. And I think it's interesting to hear from them directly, you know, what they care about and how they want to yeah. serve others and show people that Christ is real. So, um one thing I, I wanted to add, if I may, is I sometimes find young people more willing and um, more unafraid to talk about Jesus in non-SDA settings, like in school or in social media and things like that. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering if you're seeing the same thing, if that's the case for you. Yeah, yeah, I am. If, if if they have an, an opportunity for it, absolutely. Absolutely. We, sometimes, you, you know, sometimes I find myself even wanting to rein them back a little bit because I get a little bit nervous uh, because of their, their zeal, but I have to, I have to check myself and just let, you know, um, trust that God, God's got work there. I mean, we do a Bible study at my house on Friday nights and it's just a small group. There's anywhere from 12, you know, eight to 12 students there. And, we were just studying about the importance of we got to share the good news. I mean, why are we not sharing it more often? And they wanted to leave, you know, the house and just start going around to my neighbors and knocking on doors and telling them that God loved them. And, and I was like, I got to live here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, part of me was like, you know, well, do it and let's see what happens. And, uh, you know, because as adults, again, it goes back to the, the zeal of teenagers. As adults, we, at least I tend to think I gotta, I gotta 
plow that feel. I got to cultivate it. You know, sometimes that's, that's me just putting it off because I'm nervous, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but not teenagers. Yeah. They're ready wow. just to go. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, so another question I'll have for you is how do you, you know, after they've been introduced to who Christ is and now they're excited to serve and you're having you know, Sabbath school in the usual routine, how do you empower them to be active in their church and community if they're wanting yeah. to take part in social uh, issues or just being active in their local church? How do you empower them to do so? Well, uh, we, we have lots of programs with our, with, with our youth and so trying to get them to help plan those things one of the, in, in the youth where I am, and since College U Church is right by College U Academy, I'd say 75% of my students at College U Church here go to the academy. 25% are either homeschooled or they go to public school. And so one of the things that we've developed here is a campus ministries over at the school where they plan all the spiritual activities, they, the week of prayers, the vespers, the uh, we have blessing days over there. There's a music team and a drama team and a community service team. And so one of the things I do is uh, those that are excited, I've got a place to plug them in over at the school. And that becomes more of a challenge with the public school students. But for those, uh, we plug them into our small group. And one of the core values of our small group is, and all of our ministry here, is that if, if, if all we're doing is learning about Jesus and learning about the Bible, and never doing anything with it, we've missed something. I just at the core of who God is. And so um, we invite them to, to Bible study where, our, um, where there's always something that we do There's a practical aspect of whenever we study the Bible or to have them be involved with uh, the different plannings or uh, the different outreaches we do during the summer. Um, so trying to get them involved with that. I've, I've found with uh, some of the uh, more de developed generations, they, their view of getting youth plugged in is, well, we got to get them reading the scripture for church, or we need to get them picking up offering, or we need to get them praying. And I'm all for that. Let's, let's be active. But I found that teenagers, they want to do more with their faith than, than just participate in a, in a program. And so we, you know, one of my philosophies is if they want to try something and it's not illegal, it's not immoral, and it's not unsafe, uh, it's not unethical, well, let's do it. Let's try it and let's see what happens. And so just always trying to dialogue and, and work with them to, uh, to, to try ideas, to plan things. Yeah. So uh, what I was getting from that is that you advocate them, advocate for them when they are trying new ideas, as long as it's not uh, immoral or unethical, um, going against, you know, biblical principles, you will That's support right. them in that. So mm -hmm. my follow-up question to that is, uh, in the years I've been in youth ministry, I don't know if you experienced this, even when a teenager or a young person has those great ideas and they are um, not immoral there it's not unethical but it's just different and you have the older generations who are just like uh this is different we shouldn't do this 
how how do you advocate in that situation? How do you speak up for those teenagers or youth in that situation? Yeah, well, part of that has got to be that you've got to be more than a youth pastor. You've got to have those relationships built with other generations and the rest of the church, so that they that they trust you as that leader, and uh, so that when you come up with an idea, even if they don't necessarily see the value in it, they see the value in you. Um, and, and also, and this is, this is might be a struggle as well, but the, the, the church has got to come to a point where if they've hired a youth pastor, they've got to trust that pastor to the pastor and l- let him do what he's going to do and not try to, rein that in and all the time you know and that can be that can be a that can be a a journey of 20 years perhaps for for different churches and different ministers um but to so that advocating happens in those personal relationships as you build trust and the advocating sometimes happens post events as well where you have you have tried something and they get to see that and also, when I have when I have older you know older people or or people that just don't understand, they like, why are you going to do that? I invite them. I say, come be a part of it. Come see. Come give your your input and and let's journey together um, with with whatever it is we're doing. Wow. Uh, what you said in that answer, you said something that I really want to highlight for a second is that you said even though you're just a youth pastor you need to have those relationships with every generation in the church. And I think that's something that's uh, something that I think any upcoming youth pastor needs to realize because they need to have the trust of um, the administration team, the elders, the the staff, the board, um, the parents uh, in engaging with the, the youth and teenagers of the church. So let me ask this question to you, Pastor. How do you develop that trust with all these generations, including the teenagers? Well, yeah, I can, and I can tell you how, how I've done it. And, and I know each church is going to be different. College U Church here, they highly value youth. They, I, they, they, they spent $2 million in expanding the church with the initial vision was we need to have a, some place for our youth to be able to go um, and to minister uh, and be ministered to. And so this church here, it's, it's quite easy. And I know that some, some ministers are going to have a different, a different journey, but um, I think something that might be universal is that sometimes the churches expectation is going to start out pretty low. If you're not killing teenagers off and you've, you're keeping them from destroying rooms and things like that, then the church is going to say, you're doing a pretty good job, you know? Um, and so perhaps, you know, if, if churches had a little bit higher expectation for their, te- for their teens and for the youth to, to really be um, changing the world and turning it upside down, that might help. Um, I, I think that it starts primarily though with parents mm-hmm. and being a minister to the parents and letting the parents see how much you love their kids yes. and 
how much you are invested in helping those parents. Because I found parents don't know how to minister to their kids. They don't know how to continue to do worship because you can't just keep reading again, Uncle Arthur's bedtime story, you know, for worship. And, and so I've, I find a lot of times yeah, parents are just, they don't know what to do. And so engaging with them and communicating with them every, every year, I make a yearly calendar of all my events, all the, the things I'm going to be doing with some of the, some of the activities are to be determined, but I have dates planned and I, I put those in the hands of the parents on in, you know, in January or in December, I make my board that they vote on all the things I'm going to do. And just doing that again, I think there's a low expectation for youth pastors, but they were, it blew their mind. They're like, that I had planned things out and I wasn't just going off the, the cuff, you know, with youth ministry. And um, so that is something I think is, is, is huge is, and as youth pastors, sometimes we get this, we get this reputation for being wild and crazy and, you know, without any reason. And so if you show them that you are organized and that you are responsible, it makes a, a huge difference. Wow. Yeah. Uh, going off on that, uh, you stated that they have a reputation of being wild and usually it's, uh, they're the ones that spend the most budget and they have the ones that have, they're, they're coming up with all the new and wild ideas and all these things. But, um, like you said, when you, you brought that, your plan and your agenda and you saw that you had everything planned out, it started to build, uh, that trust. And I think, um, from what I've experienced, it takes that consistency of being organized uh, and also patience to understand that trust takes time. So um, that's right. Is, is that something that you've experienced that trust takes time? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's not just with the parents, but with the teenagers. Yes. You know, I, I have found that those first two years you you're really investing in the 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 middle school and the freshmen because the 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 seniors and juniors with you come into a ministry they they've either just had a youth pastor that they loved and they are they are just pained that is gone mm. or they had a youth pastor that was disengaged and wasn't there for them and they are uh they are bitter embittered and and struggling, you know, because of that. And so, so earning that trust with parents, with the students themselves, and having, having a, a vision that it's going to take five years to have a functional youth ministry where you are empowering leaders, you are, you have, you have ministries that are, that are working well, and you've got students that are coming in, and after you've baptized them, you have some place to put them, you know, and, and so it just takes, just takes time longevity wow so uh in that going along that same vein of needing patience how, how this is what i think you pastors struggle with is with that with having to be consistent and patient how do you continue the stamina and the strength to keep going when <laughs> you're dealing with all this stress of you know, having to gain the trust of the parents, um, uh, the struggles with board and administration approval for programs, and uh, sometimes having, you know, the those generations that you mentioned that are 
either disengage from you because they they miss their old pastor or they don't trust youth pastors because they saw how the previous one wasn't yeah. effective. How do you continue to find the strength to keep going? I think pacing yourself has to be a part of it. And not necessarily in the traditional way of pacing yourself, but youth ministry, it comes in waves where I will, I will work uh, 80 hour weeks or a 60 hour week, mm. just 12 hours a day for, for a week or for two weeks. And, and that is exhausting, but then I'll have some weeks where I, I'm not working much at all. I've got, I've got a couple hours here or there. And I think that you have to, you have to work when it's time to work and you have to be willing to rest and not continue to push yourself and spend that time with your family uh, when you don't have to as well. Um, but when you come in, you've got to be willing to, to push and to, to, to earn that trust um, and, and, and know that that's not going to be the pace of the entire journey in youth ministry. Yeah. All right. But with, with, with students, you got to spend time with them. You got to, and that's going to be hard because teenagers, again, they're pack animals and they're skittish around new things, new people. And so you have to, you have to just be in their life, be in their, in their, in their places. And that's, and that's going to, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge, but man, teenagers are amazing. And to continue to work with them is phenomenal. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Pastor Mick, I, I thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about youth ministry. Um, I can tell that it's something that you're very passionate about and um, I enjoyed the conversation. I hope anyone who listens enjoys it and has learned from it. But as I do on this podcast, I give it to the guests to give uh, some words of encouragement. And um, let's say for any youth pastor who is feeling like they're low on stamina, what words of encouragement could you give those youth pastors? That's a great, that's a, that's a great way to end. I would say remember the, the reason why you started and And that I know that there are times when you have you have teenagers who are just phenomenal and they're amazing. And then you go through these periods of deserts where you just wonder, what are, what do what am I doing here? Um, but to remember that ultimately we're not we're not youth pastors. We are just we are pastors and we are called to just love and we love we love these students during this time of their lives and they need that love there is i i haven't i haven't sat in the parking lot and wept because my my parents won't let me date uh, at, at my age ever you know or it's been a long time since I've been tempted to to uh, text nude pictures of myself you know never 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 been a temptation 
but there are people who that is their that's their journey and that's their struggle right now in this time of life and they need to have people in their life that will love them through those struggles and love them in spite of their bad choices and that's who we are and that's what changes lives that's what changes entire journeys and stories